Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show, the big show, the most important and critically claimed project or podcast that is recorded in our <gasps> van. That's right, we're in the van today. We are in the bug out van project, which is uh, yeah. We'll talk about that. How this project is going one of these days. <laughs> so far, not really as well as I had hoped. But but it's driving down the road just but it's fine. Driving, oh, yeah. That's, it's that's it's driving it's down the road. It's just really great driving right down the road. Takes us there as long as the road doesn't have a bit of moisture on it. It's a great vehicle. Therein lies the problem. But that's not what we're talking about today. What we're doing today is we're going to be... We're introducing a new feature to the podcast. We're going to, we're trying to get some some uh, more podcasts out to you so that you can enjoy them, and hopefully you will enjoy them. But so we're doing something a little different. We are introducing our new friend Janet, and we'll also be down, down the road. We'll be also introducing our new male friend Hal. <laughs> But Janet is, she's an AI. She is, that's right, an artificial intelligence voice speech system. So she's going to be very kindly reading an article to you, some article from the archives of 3BY that you may or may not remember. Hopefully she's realistic sounding enough to not be annoying. And if you do find these um, podcasts annoying, we're going to put, AI in the title so that you can say, oh, it's got the AI on it. I don't really want to listen to that and just skip it. Okay, but actually the the voices are pretty good. We will mention that she will stumble sometimes on a few words and hopefully we'll, we'll catch them. But especially on the scientific stuff, she's going to maybe butcher some stuff. We'll, we'll do our best to catch them. I perhaps use some words that normal speech readers and spell checkers are not completely happy with from time to time. Yeah, when we catch them, we'll go back and fix them. But uh, anyway, these are going to actually, even though the, there's a lot of, of work doing into the story, these are actually going to be some of the shorter podcasts we're going to have. But we're trying to get, you know, this one podcast every month or two is not the schedule that we want. And we've got uh, just an absolute ton of time blocked that we haven't used yet. And some people like to listen some rather pe- than read, and these are things that have been out for long enough that they're probably worth refreshing anyway. This right. uh, first topic is about uh, hot peppers for pain relief. Hot peppers for pain relief. Because we're looking at a situation either where you can't get the uh, commercial pain relief products or you don't want to use the commercial pain relief products and we've got a surprisingly useful option here from a plant that's incredibly easy to grow in gardens uh, in most of North America most of South America too for that matter in fact they came from South America originally I think Uh, hot peppers from the garden how you can use them how to prepare them and why they might be useful to you for uh, topical pain relief products. There's some interesting science behind it. I I talk about that a little bit in the article. And there's some practical stuff, too. That's right. I mean, everybody's heard how, you know, useful and actually, frankly, delicious jalapenos are. But have you ever heard of an aspirin on a steak? (laughs) I've heard of jalapenos. 
jalapenos. Jalapenos on a, on a stick. But I've never heard of an aspirin. Stuffed aspirin? Yeah, no. I mean, but stuffed peppers? Yes, absolutely. Are you going to be able to grow a Tylenol in your garden? No. And but almost everybody can grow a pepper. Growing peppers is easy. And while one can grow willow trees, I have taken aspirin from willow bark to purified, safe-to-take aspirin as a laboratory exercise once. It's not something you want to be doing every other Tuesday, folks. It's kind of a pain in the tail. But the uh, methods for the hot peppers are nicer. One thing that is different in my prepper podcasts about alternative methods as opposed to some other things I have read is that I make sure they've actually got some quality peer-reviewed research behind them, and you'll find the citations for that included in the article. So this isn't just, oh, well, somebody said, and it sounded cool. This is, I actually hit the medical literature to see if there was any evidence of it working before I bothered to write about it. All right, so without any further ado, we give you Janet. Preppers naturally want to have access to medicines that really work, whether the pharmacy is open or not. Capsaicin topical preparations, such as creams, are available from pharmacies now for pain relief. A prepper can produce a capsaicin preparation with hot peppers and readily available materials. In fact, this prepper just did. What's this got to do with hot peppers? Capsaicin is the family of chemicals that makes hot peppers hot. That means if a prepper has hot peppers, that prepper has capsaicin. Hot peppers are one of the easier vegetables to grow, too. Or at least that's true here in the Midwest. They also are cake to store as well, since they are dry very well and easily. Okay, so what's this hot peppers preparation good for, anyway? Capsaicin topical applications are used to reduce pain and inflammation that arise near the surface of the body. The most common uses are for arthritis, shingles, herpes outbreaks, diabetic neuralgia, musculoskeletal pain, and psoriasis. There's a chemical called substance P that's important in neurons sending pain signals to the brain. The hot pepper chemicals seem to make the neurons run out of substance P, stopping the pain transmission. 1. By the way, it's also the capsaicin that makes hot peppers taste hot. The chemical does its work by activating a particular ion channel called TRPV1. Neurons use this channel, but so do the cells that detect temperature. Put some hot pepper in the food and the mouth receptors are tricked into thinking there's actual heat there. I recall one unhappy incident when I was about five and playing in the garden after harvest. For some stupid five-year-old reason I got to rubbing hot peppers all over my tender baby girl's skin. Not recommended. The trick is to get the right dose of hot peppers. Isn't that always the way of herbal medicines? The hard part is getting the dosing right. This is particularly true of capsaicin application. The stuff hurts if you get too much of it. Is it weird that a painkiller chemical hurts in a different dose? No, not really. Even the most potent painkillers we have, opioids, can do the same if used wrongly. 2. In fact, when used at prescription strengths, it's not uncommon for a topical anesthetic such as lidocaine to be applied before the hot pepper cream. The lidocaine doesn't penetrate far enough to help joints or muscle pain, but it stops the burn of the capsaicin cream. Normal topical preparations have between 0.025 and 0.1% of the capsaicins. That doesn't help a prepper much, since we start with the hot peppers, not the purified active ingredient. One suggestion, one, 
that I took to heart in my experiment was to put on just a little bit to test for effect and be ready to wash off with a good oil removing soap or rub off with an oily rag if it was too much. Water nor vinegar will cut it. Does this hot pepper stuff really work? Rarely do I run across a natural remedy so simple yet so widely recognized as effective, 3-4. Yeah, 3 is Wikipedia, but you can check out their references from the links. I did. Between the widespread agreement among sources and the clearly relevant mechanism, I completely expect it does work. I am not, however, a physician, so don't take anything here as medical advice. I did make up a preparation, as described below. While I did test it for capsaicin activity, I couldn't test it for pain relief. The reason's pretty straightforward, I haven't any pain to test it on. Hot Pepper Preparations The commercially available topical capsaicin preparations take many forms. Creams are the most common. There are also skin patches, like band-aids but infused with hot pepper mojo. Oils, lotions, etc. are also available. I made two varieties in my little test. I tried both alcohol and oil extracts. Why? Capsaicin is lipid-soluble, so I went back to my basic organic chemistry. Extraction with alcohols is often a good way to get lipid-soluble compounds out of, recently, living tissues. So is oil extraction. So I tried both. The hot pepper experiment. When I read about the capsaicin preparations, it sounded so easy. Well, it was. Most of the hot of the hot pepper is in the ovary material. That's the white stuff that connects the seeds to the wall of the fruit. Since I just picked some hot peppers, I sliced one open, scooped out the ovaries, and scraped the seeds away from it. Seeds don't have what we need for this job. The rest of the pepper I'll eat later. I minced the ovaries from one jalapeno, put them in a glass dish, and added about half a ml, 10 drops, of vodka. Mushed it about with a spoon. Applied some to my hand. Waited. Heat sensation developed over the next minute. Not much, but noticeable. It's the capsaicin that both produces the heat sensation and does the pain killing, so it appears the extract was successful. But would it get through the skin better if dissolved in oil? I added perhaps seven drops of vegetable oil and mashed it all around some more. Got some oil on my fingertip and applied to a new patch of skin. Heat again a little less this time. I left it on for five minutes to be sure it wasn't going to get more intense, it didn't, then called it a day. In summary, I'm going to keep this new use of hot peppers in mind, for sure. I regularly grow and dry such peppers anyway. I also make sure I've got plenty of seed for them in my preps. You may have noticed that long-term storage food tends to be quite a bit on the bland side. Next time I'll use more hot pepper. I doubt what I had from one small pepper of a moderately hot variety was enough to be effective. But I'll also apply it very cautiously at first and be ready to wash it right off. I have every reason to suspect that a tincture made by putting hot pepper in vodka would be both effective and shelf-stable for a while. If that worked pretty well but didn't last long enough, I'd change to extracting an oil or petroleum jelly for slower absorption. Standard dosing for the creams is about 4 applications per day. I've every reason to believe that using whole dried pepper would also work, although it would take more total material to get the same concentration. You know what they say, Spice, don't you? When the critter dies, roll the credits. That's right. And the critter has died, so we're going to roll the credits. Thank you for listening to the 3BY Podcast Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and you, your main source for getting information on prepping. 
If you like the podcast, please leave us a positive review at whichever podcast amalgamator that you use, whether it be Stitcher, uh, Apple iTunes, however you do it, please rate the podcast and leave us a review because that does help other people find it. Feel free to share us with your friends. Thank you very much and have a good day.